Hello and welcome to the Let It Ride podcast, coming to you on a Wednesday night, just one short day away from the start of week three of the NFL season. Thursday night football, it's the Carolina Panthers taking on the Houston Texans. Tyrod Taylor is going to miss that game. That is the big news. We're going to dive into that game and all the games on the week three slate. We're also going to break down our picks from week two, let you know how we did on those, and give you a daily fantasy lineup that is sure to cash. And at the end of the podcast, we are going to break into some NBA. We haven't done too much of that, but I really wanted to touch on some of these Ben Simmons trade rumors, let you know which teams I think should go after him, and also debunk some of these rumors that we're hearing because there's one specific trade that I'm seeing floated out there that I think there is 0% chance of happening. So we are going to start by breaking down our picks from week two. And we went 10-5 and five against the number. The pod came out late last week on a Friday, so we did not get our pick for Thursday night football in in time, but we did go ten and five against the number. And just as a sign of good faith, I'm going to tell you where I got it wrong. I gave you the Browns minus twelve and a half. That was a loser. Did not see the Texans putting up that fight that they did. Tyrod Taylor looked fantastic, and the Browns really only pulled away uh, when he went out of the game. We also gave you the Steelers plus five and a half. I really thought that short week was going to hurt the Raiders. It absolutely did not. And I think that is a team that is much better than I anticipated. I gave you the Cardinals minus three and a half. They won the game by a single point and got lucky to do that. They should have lost the game on a field goal. The Vikings kicker missing a 36-yard field goal to lose that game. We gave you the Falcons plus 12, which looked like a dead lock. It was 25 to 28 going into the fourth quarter. The Falcons get outscored by the Bucs 20 to nothing, including two pick sixes of Matt Ryan in that fourth quarter. So that was a loser as well. And we gave you the Chiefs minus three and a half, another one that looked like a lock. Lamar Jackson leading a furious comeback. The Chiefs end up losing that game outright on Sunday Night Football. That does it for our losers, though. We got most of our games right. We gave you the Bears minus two and a half. That was a winner. The Colts plus four against the Rams. We zigged when everybody else was zagging, and it paid off with a W there. The Bills plus three and a half was a huge winner. They got the win 35 to nothing there against the Dolphins. We gave you the Niners minus three and a half. That was a winner. The Pats minus six. The Panthers plus three and a half. Everybody was taking the Saints. Everybody was drinking the Kool-Aid after that week one win against the Packers. I was one of the few giving out the Panthers, and I was big on it. I actually put a sizable wager on it myself. We gave you the Broncos minus six. We gave you the Cowboys plus three. We gave you the Titans plus five and a half and the Packers minus 11. That put us at 10 and five on the week with our picks and 20 and 11 on the season. So a hot start here on the Let It Ride podcast and we will look to continue it with our week three picks coming up here in a bit. Welcome back. We're going to dive right into our picks for week three, starting with Thursday night football. It's the Carolina Panthers taking on the Houston Texans. Carolina an eight-point favorite in this game, the over-under sitting at 43. Now, you hardly ever see a road team favored on Thursday night football, let alone favored by more than a touchdown. And it's not like the Panthers or the Kansas City Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is not a juggernaut team, and they're still favored by eight points. But considering the unproven nature of the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans, it stands to reason. If Tyrod Taylor was playing in this game, he would not see the line this high. Tyrod Taylor was playing fantastic. 
got that win against Jacksonville in week one, was hanging with the Browns in week two before he went down with that injury, entered Davis Mills, and it goes off the rails. The Browns go on to win that game pretty easily once Tyrod Taylor went out. So Davis Mills will be the starting quarterback for the Texans moving forward. If you don't know a lot about him, don't feel bad because not a lot of people do. He was the number one recruit, however, in his high school class, so there is some pedigree there. He redshirted one season at Stanford before entering the 2019 season as the backup quarterback. The starter went down. He got in for about six games and broke the Stanford school record for passing yards in a single game, threw for 504 yards, entered the 2020 season as the starter, uh, COVID-shortened season, so he only played in five games. So he was pretty unproven coming into the draft, but people knew that the pedigree was there. So there were some draft experts who had him going as high as the early second round. He ends up falling to the third round to the Texans. He's going to get the start here. And he looked a little bit rough when he got into the game against the Browns. We'll see what he can do with a little bit of game prep under his belt. Granted, it is a short week. So I think you see a lot of run game from the Texans in this game. They lean heavy on that three-headed running back attack they have. You see a lot of Ingram, a lot of Lindsey, a lot of David Johnson. And for the Panthers, they're looking to improve on that 2-0 and start that they've gotten off to, taking care of business against the Jets in Week 1 and absolutely pummeling the Saints in Week 2. And if you listen to this podcast, you were absolutely not surprised by that result. We gave out the Panthers plus 3.5 last week, expecting that regression from the perfect performance the Saints put up in Week 1. It was the usual suspects for the Panthers last week. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore both looked fantastic. What is a little bit of a surprise is how great this defense has looked. Now, it remains to be seen how much of that is weak opponents playing the Jets in Week 1 and the Saints with the aforementioned issues that they had with displacement and with COVID, uh, missing five assistant coaches for that game. Also, the skill players for the Saints, not very good outside of Alvin Kamara. So we'll see if it's just smoke and mirrors with this Panthers defense. However, this week it doesn't get much harder for them. Uh, They're going against Davis Mills, an unproven backup quarterback. And for that reason, we are going to grab the Panthers minus eight here. Conventional wisdom says to take the home team and take the points on Thursday night football. However, this is a very unique situation and I cannot put my money behind an unproven quarterback. I am taking the Panthers and I am laying the eight points. Now, if you really want to maximize your potential with this game, Teasing this game is not a bad idea. You can do a six-point tease. Tease this down to Panthers minus two and then tie it to another game that you like on Sunday. That is something I'm going to do as well. And later on in the pod, I'll tell you which game I am tying that to. So I'm teasing this down to Panthers minus two. But my pick for the game is Panthers minus eight. And I'm also going to take under 43. And that moves us to the Sunday games. We're going to start with the football team traveling up to Buffalo to take on the Bills. The Bills, eight-point favorites at home in this one. The over-under sitting at 45-and-a-half. Now, Washington was lucky to get out of Thursday Night Football with a win against the New York Giants. Dustin Hopkins missing a field goal as time expired. However, a Giants player jumped off sides. He got a second chance and made good on it. Washington lucky to win that game. Taylor Heineke did look good. He threw a terrible interception when it looked like Washington had the game in hand. Threw an interception that led to a Giants field goal. The Giants held the lead briefly. Heineke was, however, able to lead a drive to get the football team into field goal range to win that game. So, looked good in relief of Ryan Fitzpatrick. However, the defense seems to have taken a step back after closing the season last year, looking like one of the best defenses in football. You have to remember most of those games at the end of last year, they were playing pretty bad quarterbacks in a lot of cases backup quarterbacks so the truth I think is somewhere in the middle I don't think this defense is as good as it looked last year to close the season however I also don't think it is as bad as it looked on Thursday getting lit up by Daniel Jones you have to remember the core of this defense is still young no pun intended Uh, every player 
on this defense is under 26 years old as far as the starters go. The Bills on the other side of the ball bounced back big last week, but the offense didn't look as good as the 35 points they scored would suggest. Josh Allen is still yet to have a great game. If you grabbed him in fantasy, you are he has left you wanting. You drafted him pretty high, and he has not delivered on that. I'm going to grab Washington plus eight. I think if you saw this line come out a couple of weeks ago, you would have seen it closer to Bills minus five or minus six. A lot of people are low on Washington. Even though they won on Thursday night, they did not look good doing it. So a lot of people low on Washington after Buffalo having that big week last week. So I am grabbing Washington plus eight. I'm also grabbing over 45 and a half for this one. Fantasy-wise, you're looking at the usual suspects in this one. You're looking at Diggs. You're looking at Allen. McLaurin, Logan Thomas, and Antonio Gibson, I think, has a bounce-back game as well. That takes us to our next game. It is going to be the Bears taking on the Browns. The Browns, seven-point favorites at home in this one. The over-under sitting at 46. The Browns are going to get a huge scare from the Texans last week before the Tyrod Taylor injury. Injuries at wide receiver have plagued the Browns all year. Odell Beckham Jr. has not taken a snap yet this season. And Jarvis Landry is now on IR after going down in that Texans game. However, it looks like OBJ should be back for this one, even though they're not going to be having Landry for quite a while now. This Bears offense on the other side has not been able to put up points all season. I think that changes because Justin Fields is now going to be the starting quarterback for the Bears. Andy Dalton, I don't know if he's hurt or if the Bears just decided to move on, but either way, it is the right decision. Justin Fields should have been starting from the beginning. I think you see a huge boost to Allen Robinson uh, in this offense. Andy Dalton has not been able to move the ball down the field. I don't understand what they've been doing in Chicago, but we're finally here. Justin Fields is going to start. And for that reason, I like the Bears plus seven in this one. I don't think they're going to win the game, but I think Justin Fields adds a spark to this offense and they keep it close. I also like over 46 in this one. The fantasy players to watch in this one, again, the usual suspects, Allen Robinson, Danny Montgomery, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. And I think you could throw Odell Beckham Jr. into a flex spot in this one. Uh, no more Jarvis Landry. Odo Beckham is going to see an uptick in his targets. I really, really like Allen Robbins for this game, though. He has been plagued by poor quarterback play his entire career. He's finally getting somebody with some pedigree in there that can get on the ball. I think Justin Fields and Allen Robinson is going to be a tandem to watch as the season moves forward. And that moves us on to the Bengals traveling to take on the Steelers. The Steelers' three-point favorites at home in this one, the over-under sitting at 44. And the big news for the Steelers is that Big Ben looks like he is toast, looks absolutely done, reminding me of Peyton Manning that last year in Denver. Now, granted, Peyton was able to win a Super Bowl that year, but that was mainly on the back of his defense. Now, the Steelers' defense is pretty damn good in its own right, so I'm not saying that the Steelers' season is over, but Big Ben looks like he is absolutely fried. I could be wrong. Maybe it's just the injury and he comes back totally fine, but I'm expecting him to look like this for most of the season, and that's making me think that the Steelers should sign Cam Newton it's a better option than Dwayne Haskins. I know Cam Newton is not what he used to be, but he's still better than Dwayne Haskins. I don't think you can move forward with Haskins having to play games, which it looks like he's going to have to do, whether it's not for the rest of the season, at least for part of it, until Big Ben is able to get back. All that aside, I do like the Steelers in this one. I think you see the Steelers defense take advantage of this porous Bengals offensive line, much like you saw the Bears do last week. Khalil Mack was able to disrupt that Bengals passing game you saw a defensive touchdown and even though they had Andy Dalton at quarterback the Bears were able to pull out a win in that one I think you see the Steelers do that on the back of their defense speaking of the Steelers defense the best player on it TJ Watt was drafted with the in the first round with the 30th pick the Steelers signed Taco Charlton this last week who the Cowboys drafted with the 28th pick in that same draft so 
just a kick in the nuts to Cowboys fans. You could have had T.J. Watt. Instead, you got Taco Charlton, who's now on his fourth team. So would have looked really good on the other side of Demarcus Lawrence with T.J. Watt in a Cowboys uniform there. But we didn't get it because uh, people don't know what they're doing there in the Cowboys war room. Uh, fantasy players to look out for in this one. You're starting Joe Mixon if you have him. You don't want to start him because he's going against that Steelers defense. But running back is slim this year in fantasy. You're starting T. Higgins as well. I think he is the only Bengals pass catcher that you're looking at. On the Steelers' side, you're starting Deontay, you're starting Najee Harris, Chase Claypool and Juju are maybe fringe flex options in this one. And that moves us to the Steelers' biggest AFC North rival. It is the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Detroit Lions. The Lions a 7.5-point underdog at home, the over-under sitting at 50. And for the Lions, Jared Goff looked pretty good in the first half of that Monday Night Football game against the Packers. He looked like the above-average quarterback that took the Rams to the Super Bowl uh, just for the first half. And... Packers fans, I know, were panicking because they already watched Jameis Winston light them up in week one. Now they're watching Jared Goff light them up in week two. However, the Packers defense was able to step up in the second half. You saw a fourth and one incompletion from Jared Goff, followed by a sack fumble on the very next play that they had on offense. He threw an INT later. Uh, They had one first down before garbage time in the second half after putting up 15 in the first half. They got shut out in the second half. I think you see the Ravens force more of the second half from Jared Goff than you saw in the first. I don't think you see Jared Goff put up those kind of numbers against this Ravens defense. And I also think the Ravens run early and run off and win easy in this one. The Ravens mounted a fantastic comeback, of course, on Sunday Night Football. Lamar Jackson went superhero mode against the Chiefs, got that monkey off his back, finally beat Patrick Mahomes, and I think he's riding high after that one. I think you see him light the world on fire again against the Lions here. So for fantasy, you're absolutely playing Lamar. You're playing Mark Jackson. You're playing DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson on the Lions side. In fact, those are the only two guys you're ever even thinking about playing on this Lions team as far as fantasy goes. The dark horse is going to be Hollywood Brown. You saw him turn in a couple of big plays against the Chiefs. I think you could see the same thing against the Lions. And again, we are grabbing the Ravens minus seven and a half in this one. We're also playing the under 50. That moves us on to the Colts traveling to take on the Titans. The Titans five and a half point favorites in this one. The over-under sitting at 48. Now the Colts played well enough to win and held the Rams offense in check last week. Wentz led a game-tying drive right before he exited the game. The Rams went down and kicked the field goal after that. Jacob Eason came in and threw an interception when the Colts had a chance to come down and tie or take the lead. If Wentz plays, I think maybe you see the Titans get pushed in this one. However, if it's Jacob Eason, I am grabbing the Titans minus 5.5. And and all signs are pointing to Carson Wentz not being available this one. He has sprains in both of his ankles, so I can't imagine that he's going to be able to play in this one. So I am grabbing the Titans minus five and a half in this one. I am also playing under 48. Now, the fantasy players to watch in this one, especially if Wentz doesn't play as you're playing Jonathan Taylor, even if it is Easton at quarterback, I still like Michael Pittman in this one. And for the Titans, you're obviously playing Derrick Henry. You're playing A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. And consider sitting Tannehill for this one just because this Colts defense is pretty good. And that moves us to the next game on our slate. It is the Chargers going up to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. The Chiefs six and a half point favorites in this one. The over-under sitting at 55 and a half. A very high total there. Something to be mindful of. Both teams coming off horribly painful losses in very winnable games. The Chargers did not pump the ball once against the Cowboys and still only put up 17 points 
and that is due to two touchdowns being called back thanks to penalties, a missed field goal, and Justin Herbert throwing an interception in the end zone. So they left a lot of points off the board in that one against the Cowboys. On the other side for the Chiefs, they had their game against the Ravens in hand, an uncharacteristic interception by Mahomes on a third down where they gave the ball to the Ravens at midfield down two scores. Lamar goes superhero mode, comes down, scores, they get the ball back, score again, take the lead by one, and it still looked like the Chiefs were going to win. Patrick Mahomes looks like he was having a spa day on the sideline. Like, oh, well, we're down? Okay, I'm just going to go out there and lead the drive. Gets the Chiefs in the field goal range, and Edwards Elaire fumbles the ball. Even after that, the Ravens still had to convert a fourth and one at midfield to win the game, giving the Chiefs a taste of their own medicine, uh, something they pulled on the Browns last year in the playoffs. So for this one, both teams looking to get a measure of revenge. I think you see a very high score in this one. The implied score in a six and a half point line with a 55 and a half point over under, the implied score would be something around 31 to 24. I think you see an even higher scoring game than that. I think you see more of a 38-28 type score. And for that reason, I am taking the over and I am taking the Chiefs. I think they come out pissed off after the loss last week, and I think you see them take care of business here against the Chargers. Fantasy-wise, you're playing the obvious. You're playing Mahomes. You're playing Kelsey. You're playing Hill. You're playing Herbert. You're playing Eckler. You're playing Allen. However, you also have to consider playing Mike Williams in this one, and this is something I wanted to touch on when I referenced the over-under being high. Anytime you see a total this high, you're expecting points to be scored. So you're those fringe guys that you're not sure about starting like a Mike Williams for the Chargers, you should start them in games like this because you're going to see more points get put on the board. However, I am going to bench Clyde Edwards-Elair in this one until I see him break out. He has been hyped up as this guy for the last two seasons. He has yet to prove it, and especially after that fumble, I think he may be in Andy Reid's doghouse. Our next game is going to be the Falcons taking on the Giants. Not nearly as exciting of a game as our previous one. The Giants' three-point favorites at home in this one, the over-under sitting at 48 both these teams sitting at 0-2, one of them has to get their first win, well, unless we have a tie, but one of these teams likely to get their first win here. The Giants look good and should have won on Thursday, but as it was, that offsides penalty doomed them in the end. The Falcons actually hung with the Bucks before absolutely falling apart in the fourth quarter. They had a 28-25 game in the fourth quarter, then they gave up 20 points in the fourth quarter, which was mainly due to two pick sixes thrown by Matt Ryan. Uh, for the Giants, it's mainly can Daniel Jones build off of his last game. He looked fantastic against the Washington football team, finally proving all the doubters such as myself that he could be a decent quarterback in this league. However, you got to do it more than one week. You have to continue that, especially against a weak defense like the Falcons. I think that he actually will be able to do it as much of a Jones doubter as I have been. This Falcons defense does not look great. They've gotten lit up two weeks in a row, and one of those was against Jalen Hurts, who everybody thought, oh my God, Jalen Hurts, look how great he looks. He turned around and put up a dud against the 49ers the week after. So I think his performance was more of an indictment of the Falcons defense, and I think you see Daniel Jones take advantage of it as well. So I am taking the Giants and laying the three points, and I'm also playing the over in this game. I think both of these teams are putting up points in this one. Uh, Fantasy-wise, as I said, I think you're playing Daniel Jones in this one, a streaming-type quarterback. You're playing Saquon. You're playing Calvin Ridley. You're playing Kyle Pitts. Running back questions for Atlanta, however. I'm not sure if you want to play Patterson or Davis in this one. They seem to be taking a lot of work from each other, so I'm not sure you could trust either of them to be a fantasy starter for you this week. 
And that moves us to the Saints going up to Foxborough to take on the Patriots. The Patriots three-point favorites at home in this one. The over-under sitting at 41 and a half. And for the Saints, it's really just a tale of two teams and figuring out which one is the real Saints. They looked fantastic in week one, absolutely dismantling Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and then looked terrible in week two. I think the truth like everything, is somewhere in the middle. They played a perfect game in week one, but then bad circumstances in week two with being displaced due to the hurricane and having COVID issues, five assistant coaches missing that game. They do have some roster issues, however. They're still bad at the skill positions outside of Kamara. Jameis Winston doesn't really have anybody to throw to. The defense, however, is great. I think I wouldn't put too much stock into them getting lit up by the Panthers because they were on the field for nearly 40 minutes of game time. I don't think you can expect any defense, no matter how good they are, to to hold up to that. On the Patriots' side, their defense looks fantastic as well. They could easily be 2-0 if not for that Damian Harris fumble in Week 1 against the Dolphins. Mac Jones has looked solid, good enough, game manager type quarterback, good enough for them to get by. They have a solid run game with Damian Harris. I'm taking the Patriots in this one, minus three, and I think you see a low-scoring affair. I'm going to take the under 41.5. I think Belichick will have a game plan to confuse Jameis Winston. I think you see some turnovers. I think it's a 21-13 to 13 type game. Fantasy-wise, you're playing Alvin Kamara and maybe Damian Harris. I can't really think of anybody else outside of those two that you would play, but you are absolutely playing both defenses if you have them in this one. And that moves us to our last of the 1 o'clock games. It's the Cardinals taking on the Jaguars in Jacksonville. Jacksonville, a 7.5-point underdog at home for this one, the over-under sitting at 52. The Cardinals got lucky to beat the Vikings last week, a missed field goal. Uh, sealing the Vikings' fate in that one. Looked like they were going to win the game at the buzzer there. 36-yard field goal, however, was missed. And that Cardinals defense, which I have been pumping up all season, looked pedestrian versus the Vikings. But the Jaguars absolutely do not have that level of skill player that the Vikings have with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook. I think you see this Cardinals defense absolutely feast on Trevor Lawrence. And I think you see this game go well under the 52-point total. And I'm going to take the Cardinals minus 7.5 as well. Fantasy-wise, you're playing all your Cardinals. You're playing Kyler. You're playing Chase Edmonds. You're playing DeAndre Hopkins. You're playing Rondale Moore if you picked him up on waivers. A big game from him, and I think you see that continue as well. Uh, Max Williams is more of a wait and see. He put up a big game last week as well. I'd like to see one more before I plug him into my starting lineup. There's not really anybody that I'm interested in playing on the Jags. If I had to play a Jaguar, it would be James Robinson. But again, not really interested in any of the fantasy players for the Jaguars. I am, however, playing the Cardinals defense if I have them. That is going to do it for the 1 o'clock games. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about the 4 o'clock games. Welcome back. We move on to the late games. We're going to start with the Jets going to the Mile High City to take on the Broncos. The Broncos, a 10.5-point favorite in this one. The over-under sitting at 41.5. This is my eliminator pick for this week. Don't get too cute with these eliminator pick guys. Just take the team that's obvious. Take the biggest favorite. Don't worry about saving a team. Not that you would save the Broncos. Like This is the perfect spot to use the Broncos, especially considering that strong division that they play in. You're not going to have too many opportunities to use this team that they're going to be this heavy of a favorite. The Broncos' defense looks fantastic. Losing Bradley Chubb, however, is a huge blow. This is now three out of four years of losing either Chubb or Von Miller. It's so much fun to watch those guys work on the other side of each other, and it just stinks that we haven't gotten to see it that often. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater has been fantastic, uh, definitely proving that he deserved that starting job over Drew Locke. Cortland Sutton put up huge numbers last week, and I think you see this team easily beat the Jets. Zach Wilson looked awful last week. Now he's going up against another great defense. 
They've only scored 10 points a game this season, and I don't see that improving any at all this week. This Broncos defense, as I said, is fantastic. I am taking the Broncos. I am laying the 10 and a half, and I'm also playing under 41 and a half. I think you see a 21 to 3, 24 to 7 type game here. On the fantasy side of things, there is absolutely no reason to ever put a New York Jet in your lineup this year unless you're in a super deep league. For the Broncos, you're absolutely starting their defense. You're starting Cortland Sutton. You're starting Noah Fant. And you're starting Melvin Gordon, a good flex possibility. And Teddy Bridgewater is not a bad option in a 2QB league. That moves us to the Dolphins taking on the Raiders in Las Vegas. The Raiders four-point favorites at home. The over-under sitting at 45.5. And And news just coming down that Tua Tungavailoa is going to be out for the Dolphins. And this line will go up. So grab the Raiders at minus four if you can because it's going to be minus six, maybe up to minus seven by kickoff. Now this Dolphins defense played better than the 35 to nothing score would indicate against the Bills last week. And this defense actually is equipped to play a team like the Raiders. They have two stud corners on the outside, and Jerome Baker is a fast linebacker and should be able to keep up with Darren Waller. Now, there is absolutely no stopping Darren Waller, but I think Jerome Baker is the type of guy that you could put on him, a big linebacker who can move. Normally with a guy like Waller, he's a mismatch because he's either too big for a corner or too fast for a linebacker. However, the Dolphins do have a linebacker who is fast enough to keep up with him. I'm still starting Waller. There's no in no way I would ever bench Waller, but just maybe temper your expectations for him this week. However, we are grabbing the Raiders minus four, and because I think the Dolphins defense is equipped to hang with the Raiders, I'm playing the under 45 and a half. Fantasy-wise in this one, you're obviously playing Darren Waller. However, I don't think you could play any Dolphins pass catcher with Tua Tungavailoa out. You could consider either Raiders running back. If Josh Jacobs is ready to play, you could play him or Kenyon Drake. And then Miles Gaskin, I think, is a decent enough flex option in this one. And that moves us on to the Seahawks taking on the Vikings. The Vikings two-point underdogs at home in this one. The over-under sitting at 55 and a half. Both teams with heartbreaking losses last week. The Seahawks blowing a huge lead, but... And the offense looked fantastic. Russell Wilson was throwing the ball all over the place, but they could not get the run game going last week, which led to the blown lead. If you're up in a game and you can't run the ball, you are very susceptible to blowing leads. For the Vikings, it was that missed field goal we talked about. The offense looked fantastic. It was a shootout game between Kirk Cousins and Kyler Murray. Both offenses putting up huge numbers and a missed field goal sealing the fate of the Vikings in that one. So I am hammering the over in this one. Both defenses have been exposed this season. The Seahawks, as I said, getting lit up by the Titans. The Vikings getting lit up by both the Bengals and Cardinals in weeks one and two, respectively. So I am hammering the over 55 and a half in this one. I am actually picking the upset here as well. I like the Vikings plus two this line does not pass the smell test for me. I think the public is going to be all over the Seahawks. So I'm going to zig when everyone else zags, as I often say, and I'm taking the Vikings plus two. Fantasy-wise, you're playing everybody. You're playing Wilson. You're playing Lockett. You're playing Metcalf. You're playing Carson. For the Vikings, you're playing Thielen. You're playing Jefferson. You're playing Cook. And you consider playing Cousins also as a streaming quarterback this week. I think he puts up big numbers. And then also consider playing K.J. Osborne. If you're able to grab him on waivers, he put up big numbers last week. And I think you could see more of the same this week against the Seahawks. And that moves us to our marquee game of the week. It is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams a one-point underdog at home. The over-under in this one is also sitting at 55.5. And this Bucs offense has looked absolutely unstoppable. Tom Brady with nine 
touchdown passes to open the season. Granted, this was against two very below-average defenses, and this Rams defense is nothing of that sort. The Bucks are weak at right guard and left tackle, and that is significant because of Aaron Donald. I think you see that Bucks line absolutely having to focus on Donald in the middle with that weakness at right guard. Ali Marbet is a fantastic left guard, but right guard is a weak spot for this Buccaneers offensive line, and left tackle is another weak spot. Now, with Aaron Donald getting all that attention inside, I think you see Leonard Floyd one-on-one with Donovan Smith, the Bucks' left tackle, and I think Leonard Floyd wins that matchup, and I think you see Floyd putting a lot of pressure on Tom Brady in this one. On the receiver side, I think you see Jalen Ramsey locking down Mike Evans, and with Antonio Brown likely to miss this game with COVID issues, Chris Godwin's going to be the only receiver for the Bucks that I would play in this one with Ramsey shutting down Evans. And I think this Rams team is tailor-made to stop this Bucks team. I am taking the Rams plus the one point, and I am taking under 55. I think you see this Rams defense seriously slow down this Bucks offense. Fantasy-wise, you're playing all of your Rams. You're playing Cooper. You're playing Stafford. And I think Robert Woods is going to have a big game in this one. You saw Cooper Cup blow up in the first two games. I think it is Robert Woods' turn in this one. You're also playing Tyler Hegby. And if you're on the Buccaneers side, you're playing Chris Godwin. I think, as I said, I think Evans gets shadowed by Ramsey. And I think you should avoid playing Evans in this one. But Godwin's still a viable play. And Tom Brady is never a bad play in fantasy either. And that is going to do it for the day games. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about the primetime games. Welcome back. We move on to the primetime games, and we are going to start with Sunday Night Football. It is the Packers taking on the 49ers. The 49ers a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. The over-under sitting at 48-and-a-half. Now, I think you see the Packers come out and really exploit the biggest weakness on the 49ers defense, and that is at cornerback. Devontae Adams is a sleeping giant, and he is going to have a big game against this weak 49ers secondary. Jason Verrett going out with an injury, their top corner. They signed Josh Norman out of free agency, and he filled in great last week, and he's fine when you're playing against a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, but Aaron Rodgers is coming to town, and I think he exploits the secondary, and I think you see Devontae Adams have a big day, especially after watching his teammate Aaron Jones catch three touchdown passes in the red zone last week. You know he is itching to put up some touchdowns himself. He has not scored one yet this year. Now, this Packers defense on the other side has not looked great. The Saints were able to take advantage of it in week one, and the Lions took advantage of them in week two, putting up 17 points before being shut out in the second half. Jared Goff revealing his true self, but was able to put up 17 points against this Packers defense in the first half, so they are definitely susceptible. So for that reason, I am taking over 48.5, but I am also taking the Packers plus 3.5 in this one. Fantasy-wise, I'm not sure you could trust any of the 49ers running backs. Not that they're not good, but just because you don't know which one of them is going to get the ball. I think you need to see one of them grab this job before you regularly put one of them in your lineup. However, you are starting Debo Samuel, and you are starting George Kittle. For the Packers, it's, again, the usual suspects. It's Aaron Rodgers, Robert Tanyan, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams. And that moves us to the last and most important game of the week. It is Monday Night Football. It is the Philadelphia Eagles taking on my Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. The Cowboys a four-point favorite in this one. The over-under sitting at 51.5. Now, this Cowboys defense looks improved from last year. However, I am not going to say that they look greatly improved because, yes, they've been able to force some turnovers. However, they did not force a single punt against the Chargers last week. So that 17 points that they gave up is a little bit of an aberration. They should have given up a lot more. The Chargers having two touchdowns caught back and a missed field goal and an interception in the end zone. So this pump the brakes on calling this Cowboys defense greatly improved. They are improved, but they still have some work to do. 
that being said, Micah Parsons looks fantastic as a pass rusher. This guy can play all over the field. Now he's filling in for Demarcus Lawrence, and he's the best pass rusher on the team and has the speed to spy Jalen Hurts. And this Eagles defense on the other side has played well as well, a lot better than people have given them credit for. Aside from that, rivalry games tend to get played towards the under, so I will play the under in this one. I think the Cowboys continue to use Zeke and Pollard quite a bit. I think you see a lot of running from the Cowboys playing ball control offense. I think this game stays under the 51.5 point total, and I think the Cowboys cover the four points as well. Fantasy-wise, you're playing Dak, you're playing Zeke, you're playing Pollard if you grabbed him. You're playing C.D. Lamb as well. Amari Cooper might get shadowed here by Darius Slay, so I would still play him, but I would temper my expectations. And for the Eagles, you're playing Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts, and Dallas Goddard. And that'll do it for our games. We're going to take a quick break and come back and give you a DFS lineup to play for Sunday, and then we're going to talk a little NBA. Welcome back. So just as a recap of our picks, we took Carolina minus eight, but we're also teasing that game down to Carolina minus two. And the other game we're going to tease that with is going to be the Ravens. We're going to tease that down to minus one and a half against the Lions. We're also going to take Washington plus eight, the Bears plus seven, the Steelers minus three, as the Ravens minus seven and a half, as well as teasing them. The Titans minus five and a half, the Chiefs minus six and a half, the Giants minus three, the Patriots minus three, the Cardinals minus seven and a half, the Broncos minus ten and a half, the Raiders minus four, the Vikings plus two, the Rams plus one, the Packers plus three and a half, and the Cowboys minus four. Welcome back. Now that we have wrapped up the games, it is time to give out our DFS lineup for this week, and we are going to start it with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. I think he lights up that Detroit Lions defense. I'm going to grab Saquon Barkley at running back. I think it is a get-right game for him, and you can grab him at just $6,000 this week. I'm also going to grab Melvin Gordon at for $6,000 as well. We're going to save a little bit of money on running back so we can use it on wide receiver and tight end. Melvin Gordon here at $6,000 against the Jets. I think he puts up good numbers. DK Metcalf, we're going to grab at wide receiver. I think that game between Seattle and Minnesota is a shootout. We're also going to grab Hollywood Brown to stack with Lamar Jackson. I think you always want to stack a quarterback and wide receiver or a quarterback and tight end uh, in these DFS lineups. I'm going to grab Robert Woods as well for $6,100 at wide receiver. I think he has a big day. Cooper Cup's been getting all the love. I think you see Woods get some in this game here. We're going to use some of that money we saved at running back here at tight end and grab Travis Kelsey as our tight end. He's the most expensive tight end on the board because he puts up the most points. It's pretty obvious. We're going to grab him here. He's going to be in a shootout against the Chargers. We like him this week. And we are going to grab Allen Robinson as our flex player. We talked about him a little bit. I think he sees an uptick in production with Justin Fields at quarterback. And that leaves us with 4200 to spend. We're, we're going to leave $200 on the board, and we're going to take the Las Vegas Raiders defense. I think you see Max Crosby and Unique and Gakway pressure. Jacoby Brissett all day. The backup quarterback gets in there, and I think this Dolphins offense stalls a little bit, and you see the Raiders defense put up some fantasy points here. And we are going to wrap up the podcast talking a little bit of NBA. I know we have not done that in quite a while. I did do a 75 greatest players list uh, quite a few podcasts back. That was the only NBA podcast that I have done. But I really wanted to touch on these Ben Simmons trade rumors, mainly on one specific team that I've seen floated around in these rumors, and that is the Houston Rockets basically centering a package around John Wall to trade for Ben Simmons. There is no way this trade is going to happen. There is no way John Wall is worth Ben Simmons. Now, before anybody starts thinking that I'm just a John Wall hater, for those of you that don't know, I am an employee at Capital One Arena. I've worked 
every Capital One Arena event for the last 15 years. So I've been there for every Wizards home game, every Caps home game, every concert. In 2017, when John Wall hit that shot against the Celtics in Game 6, to that point, it was the loudest I had ever heard that arena. Now, granted, the Capitals have since made the Stanley Cup, and it's obviously been surpassed. But to that point, not only was it the greatest moment I'd ever witnessed live as far as D.C. sports go, it was probably the greatest moment in D.C. sports for 25 years. D.C. sports has been long-suffering. To that point, they hadn't made a conference finals in any sport for, I think, longer than any other major city. It is, was unreal the level of ineptitude that D.C. sports had had. So when John Wall hit that shot, that arena went ballistic. It was the greatest moment I'd ever witnessed. John Wall, for that reason, will always hold a special spot in my heart. So if anybody was going to overrate John Wall, it would be me. There is no way he is worth Ben Simmons in a trade full stop. I don't care how many picks you package, how many young players you package around him. If the Philadelphia 76ers are going to contend, they're going to have to get a player that can win now for Ben Simmons, and they're not getting that in John Wall. There is no chance this trade happens. With all that being said, let's break into some trades that I think could happen. The Atlanta Hawks are at the top of my list for this trade, and I don't think that it's going to happen, but I think it should happen. The Hawks have a couple of picks, and they have an array of young players. They have six guys that are coming up to get paid, and they're not going to be able to pay all of them. I think you maybe take a guy like Herter, and maybe you take a guy like a DeAndre Hunter, and you package them with a couple of picks, and you get Ben Simmons. You put him in the backcourt with Trey Young. They mask each other's weaknesses, and I think that Hawks team could be really good. And again, it probably won't happen, but just playing NBA fantasy manager, I really think it will be interesting to see. The most obvious trade is going to be for Damian Lillard. And that just, is just a matter of Damian Lillard making his trade demands public. He, it has been floated around. People close to him have leaked it out. He's denied it. If it ever comes to fruition, Ben Simmons plus picks for Damian Lillard makes the most sense in the world. I think Dame and Embiid could be a force together and could contend for a title. Outside of that, I really don't see a lot of other teams poised to make an offer. I think you could maybe see Toronto pushing guys like OG Ananubi and Pascal Siakam and maybe a pick or two. And maybe uh, Scotty Barnes, who they just drafted, they can include him as well. But I really don't see Toronto wanting to build around Ben Simmons. They're not really in, in the position to do that. I really think those two teams that I named will be one of the teams to trade for Simmons. Guys, that is going to do it for the podcast. Thanks for bearing with me as, my, as I bubbled my way through some NBA. Obviously, the NFL is my baby, but I just wanted to touch on some NBA there, and I really hope to break into some more as the season gets going, and definitely after the NFL season ends, I will be breaking into some more NBA. Until next time, guys, thanks for listening, and keep letting me know what I can do to improve.